0: hey guys well it's just me and james this time around we're we decided to space heater chat it again and this. i'm
1: thinking mike uh when's the last time we spent an easter uh weekend together oh, about happy. anime two years yeah, ago at uh, the anime convention was it
0: oh iff right that's yes, correct. FF? The first yeah,
1: asked because FF. they needed a weekend, and they chose the Easter weekend, and we kind of had a chuckle about that rare boat being there on a good Friday.
0: Good memory. Good memory. Well, so, yes, it is Easter Saturday, or Holy Saturday, or whatever term it is, but it is the day before Easter Sunday. And as I said, it's just James and I, and Going back just for a couple seconds, the tradition of primetime sports since that came up a few times in the anniversary last month, the typical format or the old format of Bob McCowan's show back then was in the first hour, he'd do solo. He'd fly solo in the first hour, take calls from listeners, which McCowan was always On record as saying he hated doing that. And then at a point, they phased it out, much to probably his relief. Colin shows sometimes are asking for a lot of trouble, as some Cleveland Indians host found out or expressed on opening day back on Thursday. But that was the first hour of primetime sports with Bob McCowan. And then the second hour, the co host would come in, whether it was Jim Shaky Hunt or Stephen Brunt, or Jim Kelly, or Damian Cox. And they talk for a good chunk of time about whatever. Sometimes what's going on in their lives, sometimes sports. But it would be a a fair amount of time before either they ended the segment or their first guest came on. But it would be for a noticeable amount of time. A host chat, live with the, Regis Philbin was famous for his host chats when he was alive doing that show in the mornings with uh, either Kathy Lee or Kelly, Kelly Like And they would talk for at least 15 minutes. And I'm after doing the Space Heater last month, James, I'm just beginning to think this should be something we do a little bit more regularly. Just two of us, presumably me and James, that's been the tradition in the past, could be somebody else, and then we'll just chat for a little bit, and maybe we'll just do it once a month, say the first first off Saturday of each month or something to that effect, because we did that last month around the same point, right? First off, off recording Saturday we did. So I'm thinking maybe we could start doing that a, a little bit more regularly. What do you think?
1: Yeah, sounds about right.
0: And it might be an idea. And just to keep things fresh, and you know, if there's something that came up in a in an off week, we just want to quickly acknowledge. And what a week it's been, we must add. Well, we started last week talking about how. Badly things are about were going in the COVID fight, and I'm happy to say it's only gotten worse. Be on was it Thursday? Thursday this week here in Ontario, they announced, and the gov- and the provincial government wants to make the terms very clear. Provincial government opted to do a shutdown of the entire province all all of the province would go would be consistently in a gray zone because depending on what part of the province you're in it actually whatever whatever status or whatever this the status of businesses or movement or whatever would change depending on what county you were in or what health zone as it is more specifically but whatever part of the province you were in Toronto and the western suburbs of peel in peel Peel region were in the always in the worst possible scenario the gray zone is, as as uh, the province like to call it and then various other parts of the province were it varied right uh, right down to from red orange green I believe is there another color I should be aware
1: of there might have been a yellow in there oh yeah You yellow, never know yes
0: but and a good chunk of the northern and western suburbs of Toronto were in red zone. And there's a big difference. Like there's some key differences going from each, each color code. And But this week, across the board, they announced that it would... The province decided to pull an emergency brake, as they call it, and place the entire province into, into gray zone because of rising COVID case counts. Word came down within the last hour that the country, Canada, has now surpassed 1 million total COVID cases since this whole mess began more than a year ago. And pair that with the news specifically here for Ontario that over the last two days, we have averaged over 3,000 cases, both on Friday and Saturday, at least what was announced. So, we kept joking about going higher, higher, higher. Well, we've gone higher, higher, higher not totally sure if we're laughing at the moment or we're just laughing in disbelief but that's where we are so now, it's
1: a variance as well too so that's yeah, that Yeah well. and that's and that's
0: the key thing it's that's the driver the variance of concern as they call them so what changes for the for at least Toronto and Peel as we now sit in this gray zone not too much
1: no one's booking their appointments for uh, barber appointments or uh, going out to exercise uh, at the Not gym anymore. outside. That's well, for sure.
0: Essentially, essentially, those got pulled off the table. Just to uh, just to backtrack for a couple seconds, we mentioned the color codes. Well, at least beginning, at least in red zone, which is the second second highest alert. In that, at least personal care services like nail salons, like hair salons, barbershops, they'd be allowed to open to some degree. And so the northern suburbs and and the eastern suburbs were allowed to have such places open. So you're talking York region, which encompasses Markham, which for reference, if you're a bit of a... Regular in this area, that's a very Asian centered community, and as a if you're into those type of things, like there's some very good some good eats in Markham and if you're into into Asian food, some very good eats um whether it's Pacific Mall or the highway Seven area, and then going east to Pickering Ajax and Durham region. Those places were allowed to have have their barber shops have their nail salons open, personal care, and they took advantage of it and it got to the point where people in Toronto and peel region jumped that's a that by the way that's a term that's popular here in Ontario region jumping uh, and yes, indoor dining was allowed to some degree in those in those red zones as well and people to, and people in Toronto and mississauga. <laughs> probably took advantage of the opportunities but all the while similar businesses within those borders were basically handicapped at a disadvantage so a nail salon or a barber shop here in toronto or in in mississauga have been Closed all for all intents and purposes since late November, with no reprieve, absolutely nothing. Whereas, if, whereas if you were able to go across Steeles Avenue, because that's the border between Toronto and York Region, Richmond Hill specifically, you know there's haves and have-nots, and admittedly that's a little frustrating. I spoke earlier this week to a friend who I hadn't spoken to, had a chance to get in touch with throughout the pandemic. So it's been more than a year since I got in touch with her. And I got in touch with her when I remembered her family owns a nail salon. And yeah, she's hurting right now. She, She admits she's at a bit of a crossroads right now. And it's just tough to know, right? I mean, I've joked, or not necessarily joked, but I've acknowledged my own issues over the past year being unemployed from from my place of work. But my friend, she has a family to worry about. But that's the story uh, right now. And we are now in the shutdown mode, which will last until, well, another 28 days. Today was day one of that.
1: I think they said 30 days. So likely most of April and stuff like that. It's and pretty much the balance of April. I went- be surprised if pl toronto got extended again because i don't think they want people going out on mother's day because that's the next big thing and people want to go out on mother's oh, Day. oh
0: yeah right? yeah yeah well it's set to end in 28 days but just like the april 12th april 12th possible opening date for said personal care serv- services no guarantees mm-hmm. there were no guarantees and basically look quick story Last time I got my haircut was just before the before the lockdown happened in late November. And I was on the fence about getting a haircut that day. I just said to myself, "No, I'll just wait 28 days and get my haircut just before Christmas." I just had to get a haircut. And I was happy I did. But uh, as I said, now I now my hair has grown to the point I could look like a extra in a Bruce Lee movie. <laughs> I, well,
1: I don't know what I, I look
0: like to you I on would, your end, there, yeah, Mike. When no, you're looking
1: you, at me, because I'm trying to. You, you, the, you have
0: the yeah. You have the manly beard. I look like somebody who would have been kicked in the face. Because Bruce, what was I told sweet. you I,
1: I'm not uh, the greatest when it comes to getting my haircuts. Like I'm like, oh yeah, I'll go and get it. So it's like four to six months is usually what I do. Mm-hmm. But now I'm trying to break my own personal record because it was end of August last year I got my haircut. See, my mine I'm was always. Now. My routine was always six to eight weeks. Yeah.
0: Now but at the rate things are going, it's gonna be like six to eight months. Well, so I figured this, this way. Fun.
1: At least we know we're still growing hair and stuff like that. It's oh like yeah, yeah, I know. Because the there'll be a point. Bolding, so I, I think there it will be a point. It, it'll just <laughs> stop. Okay.
0: But how does that affect things all? Oh yeah, and one last oh yeah, one last thing. As I said, uh Every uh, all zones in Ontario had been even in the gray zone. They modified the gray zone slightly so to allow for a degree of patio dining. Uh, patio dining, is, so to speak, is now off the table, or at least the tables have been packet packed up and stacked up into storage. So no more, uh, no more outdoor dining. All restaurants are once again reduced to takeout and delivery. Okay. So how does that affect things anime-wise? Well, if you remember in last episode, we did talk a little bit about anime at, at movie theaters with Cineplex putting tickets on sale to the Violet Evergarden and Demon
1: well, no. Slayer movies.
2: It was, was just Violet the...
1: Evergarden. So Violet Evergarden got put on sale on Tuesday. So that was the 30th of March. Now, they had put 30th March for Demon Slayer, and those were for dates at the end of April, but they then pushed it back, which made sense. So now the Demon Slayer movie is going to be put on sale April 14th, and those are for dates for April 23rd. But those will probably just be for outside of Ontario, because as we discussed, everything uh, is going to be locked down.
0: Mm -hmm. It'll be locked down by the time the movie comes out, and probably still locked down for, for, you know, for the foreseeable. I don't know what it'll be like in other provinces. I know that they're in various states as well. Although so, they have been the same suspects, some the that.
1: that we see on the Violet Evergarden. Like yeah. when we were at Tuesday and this is before the announcement, there were a couple of Ontario locations I saw. There was Kingston and there was Aurelia. And all the Ontario locations were taken off the board. So anyone who had bought tickets for those obviously got refunds and stuff like that. Or should but have or something's in- really wrong. <laughs> But uh, the furthest west from Ontario is one in Saskatoon, and then the rest is all east of Ontario. So we have quite a few in Quebec, and Montreal, and um, Sherbrooke, and some other places. I think I saw Gatineau. And then every Atlantic province is represented. So they have a, one in Fredericton and St. John for uh, New Brunswick. They have one in Sydney and Halifax for Nova Scotia. They have one in Charlottetown for PEI. They have one in Newfoundland um, at um, I forget what it was. Yeah, Maybe it was Saint probably John. near That's Saint. John. It was near Saint John, I, I believe, and stuff like that. It was Mount Royal or not Mount Royal, Mount uh, Pearl or something like that. But okay. it's near uh, Saint John's and stuff like that. But all the Atlantic provinces were uh, represent the whole Atlantic bubble, uh, which I think soon they're going to be able to travel around in that bubble again because they're doing a lot better. But those are uh, what's left and stuff like that. So they'll probably be able to see uh, some of Violet Evergarden uh, this coming weekend, or sorry, this if, weekend, which we're already yeah. Doing.
0: This, and the concerns aren't as bad in those areas. The Atlantic provinces have, like, obviously there's been an uptick, but not to the same degree as it has been in here in Ontario, to in BC, in Alberta. So if you go west, Saskatchewan is. Probably as good as gets in terms of the situation in Western Canada.
1: Yeah, compared to yeah the other ones out west and even Manitoba, yeah, Saskatchewan has fared better, of course. So that's why you could see probably Saskatoon having that one showing there, and it'll probably be the same for Demon Slayer. Those same theaters probably will get a chance to show that, and they need content to show. So that's why probably some more theaters that might not have usually gotten it probably got and stuff like that. Like I saw Charlottetown. I don't think anyone picked up tickets for that so no one in pei was uh, running to the gate to see that but the other one seemed to get people in the this the irony
0: is is the land it's the land of anna green gables and that's popular in japan okay quebec and explain quebec to me because they they their issues with the during the pandemic I, have been well publicized in canada
1: and i know they've been redoing uh some of their color coding and stuff like that kind of similar to Toronto. that's interesting that their theaters are still open and stuff like that and I know they have restrictions on when people can be out you know what I mean like curfews and stuff like that which we do not have so it's interesting to see that there's quite a few theaters that are allowed to open there and stuff like that in places like Montreal which was under restrictive uh, restrictions and stuff like that from my understanding. Even Quebec City was. As yeah, well. that's
0: right. Well, when it came down to it, it was really just the urban, the real urban centers. Like, yeah, and they got very specific with their with their shutdowns or lockdowns mm-hmm. or whatever the ter- proper terms are. Uh, at a point where I'm kind of um, losing track myself, I admit.
1: But it was interesting that yes, the theaters were open, and that we can tell that by saying they already have these showings open, and stuff like that. So I'm not sure what they're doing different than what we're doing different, but. Some of it comes down to right the social aspect. These epidemics don't usually end with like a cure that everyone's happy lives happily happily ever after. It's more of the social exhaustion, and finally people are like, we have to move on. It's a social change that ends these things more often than not, and everyone responds. Not getting on the
0: exhaustion part, and even even with the cure, people are skeptical. There's enough people skeptical of the cure that could ruin the whole thing.
1: Well, we've had problems where people get the first shot and then they think it's all fine to go out without their mask on and people are trying to well no yes you did get your shot but we still have to wear a mask and yes we still have to be following uh, the rules and stuff like that and being proactive because it's going to take time to get through this and we're already going light speed just to get this uh, vaccine out to the public
0: yes but then the variants themselves are going at a faster rate
1: (laughs) no of Mm. course
0: and that's where we are okay uh, once again, digital. The any possible digital downloads, digital watchings of these titles. I think that was an that would will eventually be an option for for I Demon think, Slayer. I, I'd imagine, but there's no dates to bring up. I think they there?
1: did give Demon Slayer had some dates for a digital uh, showing and stuff like that, and I think it was in June, but I can't remember where Anaplex of America said they were going to be showing it. It, it. My likely scenario is. Probably they would do it through Funimation stuff like that. Because remember, they have for their shows and stuff like that, since they're part of the same family, right, of companies, they would do it through there and stuff like that. And they've had Funimation dubbing some of the Anaplex uh, USA shows and stuff like that. Okay. And then the other thing, I think we talked about Violet Evergarden. And no, there's not going to be a digital uh, showing, but probably digitally at some point it's going to come out on Netflix because Netflix had the first look at all the stuff of uh, Violet Evergarden. So the series and then the previous movie came out uh, to them for streaming and it had the dub and sub. And so whenever that's done, that'll be up on Netflix. And then later on down the road, uh, Funimation will probably release it uh, physically because Funimation was the one, I guess that won the rights after or sub license through Netflix to do um, theatrical showings. Okay. And to do the physical release
2: hmm
0: well so i guess the beat goes on really there isn't much else to add i i mean i'll give i have to give still give myself time to watch violet evergarden myself so i understand it just a little more Mm
1: -hmm. and that was was a special one for um kyoto animation stuff like that because they did um a contest and stuff like that for light novels so this one was one of the first winners and stuff like that. And it was one obviously they believed in. And then some of these ones that I guess they're doing through their pipeline that are going to be doing novels and novelizations and stuff like that, that they choose, they're maybe going to make into uh, anime and stuff like that. And so obviously being the first one, Violet Evergarden got chosen and you can see the love in the animation, the story, the craft that they put into it, stuff like that. And then, as we know, that... They were through hard times and you could see that through that next movie and this one that they were trying their best to show we're still here and we're still strong and you can see that there was a lot of love and craft put into it and a lot of respect to uh, some of the animators that didn't make it through that tragedy and stuff like that. And they yeah, made it's... reference to them in that first movie because that was one of the first ones they put out after uh, that tragedy.
0: Honestly, like the that contest though was the, is the background story behind the fire that would eventually happen, because the the suspect accused them of stealing his ideas,
1: and we've heard this in many creative industries, and that's why they tell them they say they send it back to them, and it says it's basically the same as if they had sent it, and basically a small thing attached saying we do not open unsolicited mail and stuff like that because that way it's like we've never touched your thing we didn't steal your idea we didn't do anything but if someone's crazy enough as we know they'll
0: and that's what happened there but there's the, it, but there's, there,
1: the... there's good and obviously there's tragedy that can come from these things but hopefully it's like the good memories will be saying everyone can carry forward and the good memories of those co-workers
0: yeah this is the lot this is Kyoto Animation's love letter in many, in many respects Mm-hmm. So I, I know Mo uh, Mo is a uh, quite the fan, and I'm curious about it too. And we'll hopefully I'll get a little time, a little bit more time to check it out. But we'll, we'll talk a little more about our cues and other stuff a bit later on. And on I top- hope
1: that the though, novel does come uh, over too as well.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So on the topic of family, Sony we we brought up sony just a couple seconds ago in all of that a demon slayer uh, specifically about uh, anoplex and demon slayer and funimation and just for reference uh, to watch the when watching the movie at some point hopefully hopefully it won't uh, fe- hopefully this demon slayer movie won't feel like the last couple episodes of the television series which uh, to me came across like a dating sim in many respects <laughs> I'm just saying.
1: Did you choose the right routes, Mike? <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, I, I think Tanjiro did. So anyway, on the topic of, fam, uh, of Sony themselves, Sony made news in the last couple of weeks. We didn't acknowledge it back then, but it was rumored it was made official not too long after, roughly around the same time.
1: Yeah, this Sony's going to close. Official,
0: so. Yeah, so Sony's going to close the PlayStation 3 store, the PSP store, the PS Vita store in July and August. Um, what's the specifics again? I think the PSP, uh, the two handheld stores.
1: Okay. So, PS3 and PSP are going to be uh, shut down July 2nd, 2021. The PS Vita is going to be open till August 27th, 2021. And then yeah. uh, for that, after they close down and stuff like that, anything we own, we'll we... be able to still re-download and stuff mm-hmm. like that. In regards to PS Plus content, where if your subscription lapsed, you would lose ownership. Basically, if you're still a member, you'll still be able to re-download and play it as per normal and stuff like that. But as long as once they shut down. Anything that was on there, you'll never be able to access to buy again. And so now people are taking a look to see what they may want to buy. And some people are upset, of course, because some of the legacy content is housed there on the those stores and stuff like that. Especially when they did the PS One Classics and the PS Two uh, Classic line, they had a lot more titles there for uh, the PS Three for a lot of those. So I'm some wondering. Of that heritage is disappearing.
0: Yeah, I'm wondering if there's if that's a harbinger of other things. Like, and this is I'm trying to be a po- as positive as I could because there's these constant rumors that that emulation, not necessarily backward compatibility, but full emulation of past titles, are coming to the present systems. Or something to that effect. Somebody, I might be I might be a little bit wrong, but.
1: Well, they're more focused on uh, PS4, PS5, as many people said. And yes, you can play your PS4 titles on your PS5 and stuff like that. But unfortunately for the other stuff, you're going to have to have either original hardware or you're going to have to have the titles you want already downloaded for those things. And we've been this through this before with the Wii, with the virtual console for that, because that's no longer up anymore, uh, the Wii Shop. So if you wanted those classical titles there then you would have had to have it on your SD card uh, for the Wii and stuff like that. And you never know when those titles are going to come back. Mm -hmm. And we've seen that um, with Nintendo, uh, this generation people have talked about, we didn't go through the process of rebuying virtual console games like we did for 3DS and Wii U. They're doing uh, their own uh, thing on spin on PS plus and Xbox uh, live gold with uh, their own uh, system, which is 20 bucks. And so for that, we have the NES and the SNES, but the game selection isn't really as big as we've seen previous. And that's because a lot of the third parties and stuff like that have decided it's in their better interest. They're just releasing either them singularly or even in uh, these retro packs across all the platforms of maybe some of their back catalog because it's easier for them to get money that way and stuff like that. And so, oh, yeah, not for, to be and be and they get maybe the full cut systems. in a way.
2: Yeah. So
0: there's, well, I mean, it it kind of links up nicely with the whole story that we had that the Sony Network is winding down downloadable content, specifically movies. We mentioned yes. that in the previous episode.
1: I think did we mention it uh, in a did. previous? I think we did. Okay, yeah, because that was August thirty first, twenty twenty one that they'll no longer offer uh, movie and TV purchases or rentals for the PlayStation star through PSN. And that's through anything PSN. Mm-hmm. And that one, as we said, was ba- They said specifically for that, that they saw tremendous growth in subscription based and ad based entertainment streaming services on their consoles. And with the shift in consumer behavior, they decided that this wasn't viable. And so that could be the first uh, bell to ring and we'll see how others, uh, that are bigger decide to respond many years down the road if yeah, they look at I guess, their I behavior guess, guess, and they say it's not worth it
0: and i guess that's part of the reasoning behind ps3 ps vita psp as well it's a similar thinking anyway
1: well i knew they had uh, a timetable and some people forget that and the biggest thing is it's the download only titles that were only exclusive to maybe some of those platforms and stuff like that and I guess for an example, you could say um, PSP, they had PSP minis. And those you could play on either the PSP or the PS3. And some of those tiles you can't get anywhere else. So if you didn't buy them, then guess what? They just went into the ether and we'll never see them again. And the other one I can think of, if you want to think about the Wii, and I have them on mine and it's great playing them, is Konami revived some of their classic games and did a a redo of some of them. So they did... uh, the first Castlevania Game Boy game, and that one was, uh, I forget what they called it, it's like Castlevania Revival or something like that. They did one for Gradius, and they also did one for Contra, and those ones they've never republished anywhere except for the Wii, so no one can buy those anymore. Hmm. So it's almost like the vault will they or won't they? And when you have so many things back there, we may never see these things again. And it's harder to then preserve them. And a lot of people have talked about that in video games preserving that heritage. And some of them, it's so difficult to do, especially. Yeah, I I remember.
0: I mean, we took an angle. I think Angela sort of took an angle on that when we talked with her back in August, or was it September? Mm -hmm. Uh, The the first uh, official. Uh, space heater we we did and she talked a little bit about that as well i think from a different angle but nonetheless okay i'll admit uh the whole idea of actually downloading to own games on on a mainstream system that kind of started with these with ps with the playstation stores for me
1: yeah with that generation uh, with with that generation right yes Xbox 360, uh, PS3, and then the Wii, that's when we started to get those download-only uh, games and download, and that's when we started. It's like, oh, we only need this amount of memory. And then as we went along, we're like, oh, we need a lot of memory we need to a download lot these and games. Then, and, and, and then the whole the idea map, of replacing like hard drives
0: in consoles and all that stuff. It's like, like, I mean, I got used to the concept because I think I took, like, I I got pa- uh, the Pac Man DX game on that. I, I did. I got a like an old copy of. Ma- uh, I downloaded an old copy of Max Payne. I think it was because it was on sale at the time. So I think I, I I know I downloaded maybe three or four little games on PlayStation Three. And obviously we we've I've mentioned enough that I've downloaded like the entire Yakuza series. Well, up to six on uh on the on the ps4 to this point so i get the idea and i you know at least i know i'll be able to on legacy be able to download them again but i I get i mean there's a thing
1: for the developers of course there so because say they had a deal right and it's like they're only on that's why you see them try to port to as many platforms as they can and stuff like that that they can keep their series alive and they can keep those games selling. And then that's the other reason you see them on PC because I don't think steam is going anywhere away anytime soon and stuff like that. So that's why a lot of them either start on PC or they do go to PC so they can keep it active and stuff like that. Yeah. Kind of like get some sales. You know what I mean? We give,
0: we give the concept of the media mix in terms of a intellectual property, right? This is more like a format mix.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And it's interesting, some of them, because some of them, they go to that smaller pond because they know they'll might get more sales at that point because they only have to compete against a few people. And that happened with the Switch. And then even though they have more um, games on there now, they said some titles still perform better there and stuff like that. If they have the right drive to market it and the right type of uh, thing to target that audience and stuff like that for certain games.
2: Mm -hmm. Well...
0: Okay, let's uh, talk Mario for a couple seconds because something happened there as well. With, I heard uh,
1: Mario died. That's what the meme well, CNN it's, reported it's, he's, dead. he's dead. He's, he's gone. In I'm kind of to...
0: by that. Like, how did we get to... I, I get it. There's, I get it. Nintendo stopped selling their, um, their 3D versions of their, of their games. Super Mario 64. What are the other two? Super so it
1: was... Um... Super. So they were doing the uh, Super Mario uh, 35th anniversary, and a part of this celebration was uh, Super Mario 3D All Stars, and that was Super Mario 64, Super Mario Sunshine, and Super Mario Galaxy.
2: It was and, it Galaxy or Galaxy 2 or just no, Galaxy?
1: No, just Galaxy. Because people were pissed that Galaxy that 2 Galaxy wasn't two on was there. Not. Because it's,
0: I know people were pissed that one, that one, the only one of the Galaxy games was on. There, but they so. were
1: pissed off too because they went the Disney Vault route, as you said, and so. They started selling them mid-September, and they said that March 31st were no longer going to be selling these. They were going to take them off the digital store, and they were no longer going to produce any physical ones. So anything physical out in the wild, probably the stores are going to keep on selling them until they run out. And supposedly uh, they had talked to, I forget where the article was, it might have been Polygon or something like that, but they were talking to people off the record for Nintendo and a few other places. I think it was like some economists and some people uh, in the uh, investor side and stuff like that for video games. And the reason that they probably did do that and they probably have the data to back them up is that they've seen it. They've released a lot of this content that people love and they said it's withered kind of on wish lists and stuff like that. It's like, oh, I'll get around to or whatever. And as you know, with Nintendo, they don't do the deep sales like a lot of other uh, publishers do. They say, these are our titles. You either pay this or you don't. And if we put it on sale, here's 30% off. and That's the best we're going to do. So usually they said they'll get good sales at the beginning, but then it goes off and then it withers on the list. So this time they went the Disney Vault. And basically it's the thing of, okay, we're going to give you time, but we're going to give you a deadline. You got six months. Either buy it or you don't. Your choice. You're not going to let wither on that uh, list. And so we saw the big uptick when it was sold uh, at the uh, September end of September. And then we've started to get numbers for end, of, um, end March. of March in some territories in Europe and North America. And they said the numbers the last few weeks have been up just before they took it off the shelf. And,
0: yeah, it sounds like a dickish move, but those type of numbers, that's that's what they're going for.
1: And that the other thing is they've always said it's about a celebration of Mario and stuff like that. And they've done these Mario All-Stars ones before, and they've done it limited number. But, yeah, this time they put an actual date on and stuff like that. And so I'll say, yeah, it's a celebration. Yeah, it is kind of them artificial scarcity and stuff like that but at the end of the day it's their property their choice and stuff like that and they decide to celebrate it as a short-lived uh, sort of deal and stuff like that and they probably might do the same with zelda since zelda is celebrating its 35th uh, anniversary and we know obviously uh skyward swords coming uh, in july mm-hmm. and there'll probably will be more games that they're doing they might do a collection just like this and it'll probably be similar idea where it's like you can buy for this amount of time and then away it goes and they already did that with fire emblem so fire emblem was celebrating um its 30th anniversary for the first game and that never came to north america so they released the NES uh, ROM at the first game full trans- fully translated into english and uh, at the beginning of december and they had a special edition with the code and then like um nintendo power uh, map and pamphlet they had um art uh, book they had This NES uh, dust protector with the NES cart that wasn't a real NES cart of the game and everything in there. And so that digital copy and that thing for the first Fire Emblem game was on sale the first week of December and then stopped as well on March 31st, uh, 2021. So that's no longer on the eShop. And that was really the only way to get it. Because even that physical edition that basically sold out uh, in December was just uh, a digital code and stuff like that limited so it's, edition it's really stuff gone.
0: <laughs> artificial scarcity like you said but it all it's as i said i i can't it's there is you're right it's their property no one no one else is really entitled to anything else and i think everybody who wanted to get it now has it in some form but it's a well, it's an interesting story. I mean, we we haven't heard of that concept before in terms of video games, and maybe the real wonder in all of this is it hasn't happened sooner. Or maybe we're at the point where the industry has matured, or at least uh, figured out a few things about itself that these type of moves are not necessarily necessary, but you know you you can see the re you can see companies trying to justify such moves because well video games are that are that type of mainstream entertainment now at least uh, on, not necessarily on par but like getting up there with movies
1: yeah and so yeah uh, the, the other one now that I'm thinking about there's another one Nintendo took off with the uh, Mario thirty fifth anniversary uh, celebrations and that was the Mario uh thirty-fifth anniversary game that a created uh, for them. That was similar to the Tetris nine nine. It was the uh Battle Royale Mario game of Mario One. Okay. And basically you uh went and tried to collect as many coins, and then if you defeated enemies, it would go onto the other player's screen and stuff like that, and it was done online. And then whoever's the last man standing uh wins and stuff like that. And that went on from I think the beginning of October Till until uh, March 31st. Now that one I could see people were unhappy because the only way that you could play that was online. So basically it's now into the ether. Whatever Akira put into it, they only got that much uh, use out of it and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So that one you can kind of understand, but I can also kind of understand like this is a celebration of Mario and stuff like that. Maybe people have talked about something well, like I, that. I, I guess when you say celebration more. of Mario...
0: People equate that with Mario's dead.
1: Yeah, people love yeah. the Mario uh, multiplayer trying to throw their friend into a pit or something like that. So that's where some of that comes from. But
0: I'm having way too much fun with it.
1: But oh. no, some of the other games were just uh, games we knew that probably were coming. They'll still be there uh, for a long time to come. I know the Mario 3D World with Bowser's Fury that came out in February. I've enjoyed that, and that'll be on to forever and ever until uh, they stop printing copies or the uh, Switch eShop dies, as they say, which will be uh, sometime in the future, long future, hopefully.
0: <laughs> well, you're more than you're more of a switch guy yourself, I think. Yeah, no,
1: I, Nintendo has been uh something I've grown up with and that's the, it's basically whatever your parents bought you. Okay. Like, well, that's, that's what, that's where you are now. It's like, I'm not saying a guy, I'm a Nintendo guy, but the other thing is, I've uh, we've lived on other platforms as well, the Sony side and stuff like that, and the uh, Microsoft side, and so we've grown to respect the different uh, games that all of them produce and stuff like that. So okay, it's always interesting. And then some of it, we love a lot of the Japanese games that we played when we were younger. And so some of them you can't always get on Nintendo. Some of them are obviously on Sony and had been when the big kerfuffle happened in the uh, Sony PS One and 64 era remember yeah Against, the first uh, uh, square uh and its boss and then nintendo and uh yamaguchi
0: mhm well so i grew up i grew up more atari nintendo and then i and then in my and then at a point yeah i i went sony a couple years after the first playstation came out that's about
1: it but the thing i think that helped sony and the other thing that helped it for us like Nintendo, you always had the great games and stuff like that, but they never added something else that would be the Trojan horse, right? And that was for Sony and Microsoft, but more Sony, especially in PS2, was the DVD player, remember? So that's where a lot of the DVD players and a lot oh, of yeah. the feel for anime fans is it was in their PS2. So that helped uh, juice the sales for a lot of publishers for DVDs and stuff like that. Of course, there was then for, motivating
0: factor for sony because they had their they had a stake in dvd itself too so
1: well i don't think they had a stake in uh in DVD the technology it was blu-ray because remember blu-ray was okay, the format right. war and stuff like that and they were on the blu-ray side and blu-ray okay. ran over hd oh, yeah, yeah, okay. dvd fair enough but then remember it's like PS3, oh, but but I, think, but
0: I their stakes was in the when i thought that when i said when i'm saying they had a stake i i, I guess it came more because they were in movie production as well
1: well that yeah no that's true okay. but i was thinking yeah forward uh the next generation the um xbox 360 didn't have it for blu-ray but of course uh sony ps3 because stake in blu-ray they had it in that so it took a bit more time, I want to say, but then we started to see more anime on Blu-ray and stuff like that, because more people were getting PS3s and stuff like that. And that's uh, what helped them and stuff like that. And then, of course, once uh, Blu-ray run won, the format warrants, like, okay, we know where we need to go and stuff like that. So they could be Well, In terms of of
0: physical, yes. and then, But at the time that was decided, people started to talk, okay, well, what did it really win? Because digital downloads and and then later on streaming were starting to become a thing around that time
2: Mm -hmm. like
0: we're talking about we're talking seven years ago like seven like a little over five years ago so roughly seven years ago at the at the dawn of of the um ps4 era or even just before or in the middle of the ps3 era i guess Mm
2: -hmm.
0: and like it, it had been decided that uh that the next-generation format would be would be Blu-ray. And then, well, and analysts were just saying, downloads, digital, that'll be really the thing. And it's proven that way to some degree.
1: It's going to take Although, time, as we said, and stuff like that. Because remember, Netflix was still doing their old model through the mail and stuff like that with DVDs and Blu-rays before they went fully, embraced mm-hmm. streaming and stuff like that. And that's before they even start producing their own shows and stuff like that. So it took a long time to build up obviously that infrastructure and have the people online and have the internet speeds and all that stuff. Yeah. There's something they going could on. Finally, but... get to that point.
0: Yeah. Obviously something has happened and then mm-hmm. the physical media bit. Okay. It'll, it, I guess it could, it'll, it could go, but that's still, it, it's kind of hard to shake at the moment. I'd say, because obviously with all the, this talk about, well, we're talking about um, story about digital stores closing up, and and having and being able to have things in perpetuity.
1: Potentially, and the fact that uh, Netflix and some of them don't give you as much notice as you would like to know if a show is leaving their service and stuff like that, too.
0: Right, you'd like to be able to, you know, be able to hang on to something if that's a, if you're enough of a fan of something.
2: So.
1: But it'll be interesting, like we know uh, they've been talking about it years ago and stuff like that, that they kept on doing DVD and Blu-ray, and now, it's like a few years ago, I want to say three or four or five years ago, they said, well, DVDs, like they can put out the same thing, DVD and Blu-ray, but DVDs is going to sell nothing compared to the Blu-ray and stuff like that, and so they now just have to go to the Blu-ray and stuff like that to get those sales, even the SD Blu-rays as we've seen from Discotech and stuff like that. And they said, that's why we had to move away because there just became no more sales, which is interesting. And so now it's going to be interesting to see what happens to Blu-ray when it gets to that point.
0: Yeah. Well, the, the thing is what's, I guess there has to be a there, there, if there's no, if there isn't a, physical media alternative because that because that's where it'll that's to me that's where what will will kill what will at least kill off the blu-ray side but i'm not totally sure physical media, the concept of physical media will will go out anytime soon
2: i don't think it'll probably happen
1: uh, it's going to take a long time before anyone does 4k blu-ray because people are still on the fence and stuff like that. Well, like yeah, most TV of us are still in the teenagers and stuff like yeah, that. And and, obviously, uh and PS4, even the support or PS5. Even the,
2: yeah,
0: even the support for 4K on streaming services is eh at the moment, I think. That could be wrong. Okay. Longer that's another that's a long story, I guess. But um well let's uh stay on the topic of Netflix for a second and a story we had brought up a couple times. And once again, it's not totally anime, but it's certainly Japanese. It's sadly, there has been a development in the Hannah Kimura case, which we've, which obviously a lot of people focused on last year. Um, The Japanese wrestler who took her own life in, uh, in May last year after some, Rather serious online bullying. The development is one of the online bullies has been convicted and fined. The equivalent of not even a hundred dollars American. 9,099 yen for what's referred to as an insult crime. And the maximum penalty that the gentleman could have faced was 9,099 yen a lot of people people were wondering why he wasn't he charged with anything stronger like a defamation charge 500,000 yen would have been the maximum penalty for that there was at least um in the insult charge an option for 30 days in jail obviously that's not the case so a lot of people are up in arms and i and understandably i'd say rightfully over 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 what's essentially a slap in, on the wrist it, it must be noted that the man convicted apparently has apologized to the Kimura family, to Kyoko Kimura, Hannah's mom. But she she stated that she wanted to she wanted the charges to go through anyway, because pe- just on the just on the principle that people have to be held responsible for what they do. So I don't know. What this part of the conclusion of the case has done, I doubt it's really that much of a deterrent. If people, uh, assuming people don't have consciences about doing these type of things, and as as uh, social media has now proven uh, is seemingly ripe with proving time and time again, there's a lot of hit and run. In terms of uh, those type of things. In terms of online bullying. Hell, even in in the real world, we're still seeing that too. So, appealing to people's consciences, I don't know. But uh, there's the latest in that case. Ironically, ironically, the, the biggest supports are coming from, out of all things, the pro wrestling world. There's a certain ir- I I find a certain irony in that considering the political incorrectness that's known to be associated with pro wrestling and I like watching it. But obviously it has its uh its taste issues as well. But for- but I agree with them. And the pro wrestling in- industry is uh, is a lot more close knit than it let's on. There is a certain degree of camaraderie there probably because there's a lot of respect for what pro wrestlers go through and the crap they put themselves through just to entertain you. Well, remember, and of course, remember the fallout from, uh, the, uh, from the case that, remember, Hannah Kimura was on a Netflix show on Terrace House, and the show got canceled not too long after. And there's still lingering issues concerning terrace house itself when when Tokyo 2019-2020 was officially canceled people wondered people understood it would be at least that season but people don't didn't know or it wasn't clear whether or not the whole franchise has been canceled nothing has been officially said i think a lot of people are assuming though that it is done and over with because sometimes you have to say how can it come back but there has been a few things lately a few developments on the Terrace House side to bring up because um Rina Trindell the one of the co-hosts of of Terrace House. She was one of the commentators. She's uh, done, she's done some YouTube videos with her sister in recent months. And then, ooh, I forgot her name. But um, one of the more popular personalities to come out of the out of the opening new doors. Well, she she's more known for a bunch of other things. But I forgot. Uh, I would have to just quickly look up her name. But she was on multiple seasons of. Terrace House. Both of them have uh, and went into a showmance with uh, one of the other housemates in opening new doors. They announced that they were engaged over the last uh, number of months as well. They re- they've done YouTube spots, and it's been revealed that the producers of Terrace House or a lot of the uh, production group, a lot of the production personnel behind Terrace House were behind those YouTube videos. So they're keeping themselves fresh. So there's so some discussion has started again as to whether or not we'll see Terrace House return in some form. There's been a little bit of discussion. I I I I would like. I think I'm still on the on the side of I would be surprised to eventually see it again. I don't know. Like you never saw the show, right, James? I aside from what I showed you, right?
1: yeah aside from what you showed me, but I guess if it does come back, it'll be in a very different form and under a different name obviously
0: it'll be a different feel I mean as I said it's one of those how can we look at it the same again after all that's after all the scandal that uh and fallout that happened from Hannah Kimura's death had to, like the revelation that no everything was more of a setup than it let on. I mean, reality shows tend to be, and sometimes, and, like, maybe we shouldn't have been surprised because reality shows tend to be, tend to have its own degree of contriveness. Remember what I said? Reality show, uh, Mark Burnett, always, who's considered the pioneer of the genre, of the uh, format and the genre, he always had issue with using the phrase reality TV. He preferred to call it unscripted television.
1: Yeah, unscripted because
0: novel. of the whole idea that once those cameras turn on, you have to play the part. The way you would usually act would be completely different the second those uh, those the second those cameras are on. The mere presence, whether or not it's used, is another story. But the mere presence it changes the it changes the way you will act. Sometimes it's more set up, but sometimes that's just instinct. And that's, I guess, what, and I guess it's the latter part that reality TV or unscripted television, whatever you want to call it, goes for.
1: Yeah, no, it's, as we said, it's evolved over time. At the beginning, it was maybe what you would call more reality television stuff like that because they were kind of thrown in there. And over many years, for example, like Survivor. Things have developed about how you form alliances, how these games play out and stuff like that, and the type of roles people play and stuff like that. And that's when it finally became more scripted or unscripted television and stuff like that. And the other part of it is the behind the scenes that we never hear as much about, that they became more people wanting to come on to these type of shows and so they vetted a lot more people and tried to find people that could maybe play a role or cause controversy or someone that may have been well known in one area and stuff like that to get buzz for the season.
0: Yeah, I know. So there's that there's that story. For reference, uh Sena Shimabukuro, that's the queen of Terrace House as uh, a lot of the commentators liked to call her. And and I know that she got into. Romance with I think it was Noah in the fi- in the opening new doors season they announced their engagement through YouTube as I said in said videos that are now apparently that it's apparently a terrace house had something to do with making them good for them so that's a uh, that's that story it's uh, there's the latest in that in that in that saga and it's still a sad story it still boggles me and uh, I think. You know, I mean, we keep hearing the uh, uh, all these stories about social media stars not being able to handle the sudden fame, or having trouble with their sudden fame because they don't have the oh the uh, shelter in place to be able to deal with that fame. I guess uh, I guess more I guess more conventional celebrities have their shelters. They yeah, have also their
1: have the uh, their- money and stuff like that. It's like it's just money on but YouTube like- and Twitch and other places. They're just regular people some of them are in streaming houses and stuff like that but they're just in normal neighborhoods they're not in gated communities like hollywood stars and stuff like that and they don't have bodyguards and stuff like that and that's some a, people yeah, can't that's... tell the difference between reality and fiction or reality and what's being put on a screen
2: mm-hmm. just
0: going back to the whole pro wrestling thing and so uh, when we talk about all this I, I i think of the uh, one of the titles of one of McFoley's books. Foley is good, and wrestling is more faker than real life. And maybe that's an apt description for some of this, too. Okay. Lighten it up a little bit before we go.
2: Um,
0: all right, I, uh, I need you as a sounding board here for a couple of minutes, James. Okay. I got a story, and maybe uh, I want to see how uh, I approached it. And see if I, how wrong I approach this. So, a couple days ago, my best friend, he asked me about a title that's on Netflix. He asked me, can I wa- let my daughters watch, or can he let his daughters watch Promised Neverland? Which I, I'd, I'd heard of, I was aware of the title, I didn't really know what it was about. And his daughters are 12 and 10. And looking at the reading the premise, I wondered and watched an episode myself. And I said, and I and I made the suggestion to him that, well, first of all, who found it? It was the younger one. The 10 year old found out about Promise Neverland and asked about watching it. And I said, if she can handle like most PG-13 movies, PG-13 subject matter, she probably would be okay with this. Now, first of all, James, just about every anime and I've seen lately seem to have this concept about the main antagonists being human eaters, man eaters of some sort. Mm-hmm. Attack on Titan, Demon Slayer, Promise Neverland, Beastars—to some degree, <laughs> it's always this fear of being of characters being eaten. Is this a thing lately? What what, what is this? Can can, can I you? I don't I don't really, you, really you, thought about like, that is, as
1: well. Like, because promise Neverland* kind of borrows from classic literature and stuff like that, where it's like they're living their own life on this farm and stuff like that, and that's their life, not realizing that they've been conquered by this alien race and they're just being bred to be eaten and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, so- there's.
0: I mean, even one of the short films in during the JFF plus was about a girl who we find out by the end of it is destined to be eaten at the end.
2: Mm-hmm. Although I didn't that really not happen, she way. just
0: looked. She just looked, and I forgot the name of the title off the top of my head. I would have to look it up. But um, I've got. I'd have to look up the title. But she just like that movie ends. I think with her resigned to that fate to some degree. But, but yeah, borrow from classical. I, I just don't get the fascination with it these
1: days. I'm not, I, it, I never really thought about it in that perspective and the stuff thought. like that. It's just now that you bring that up, it's like, yeah, they do kind of share that idea. But I guess you never really think about it in that aspect because they have so many different things going on in their different series, different time periods. Some are just completely fictionalized and stuff like that. Or some have the furries in them, like Beastars and stuff like that. But Promised Neverland was more uh, that, I want to call it, you have that, but it's kind of traditional horror and stuff like that. Where it's not as in your face and stuff like that. The first season was nice and compartmentalized and stuff like that. As you said, it's PG-13. So... If they have that mental maturity and they've watched those PG-13 horror movies and stuff like that, and they're okay with that and have watched it with their uh, kids in that age range, 10 to 12, then I'd say yes, it would be appropriate and stuff like that to watch it with them if they're okay with that. But if not, then maybe wait a few years and stuff like that, especially knowing your own child's mental maturity, right? Because we do Mm -hmm. have the guidelines, but as we know, uh, when we guide our children, sometimes they're more mature than we realize, right?
0: Well yeah and the thing is for the like in answering I the, the 12-year-old probably will be able to handle it. Like wh- like having and I've only watched one episode and, and then reading the the synopsis reading the, con, the reading the basic plot of it. I think that the 12-year-old will under will uh is more mature. Is uh, mature enough. But I don't hang around the the younger one, the 10-year-old because she every time I see her she's absolutely petrified. Of me, that's so she never says anything. So I don't. Like... You
1: think she thinks you're trying to eat her, Mike?
0: <laughs> no comment.
2: <laughs> but <laughs> no, no it's, it's like it's not, I don't uh, really get a,
0: a, a sense as to her as to whether or not she could. Ha- uh, men, you said mental maturity, right?
2: So I don't get this in of- this
1: kind of show, at least for this one, is more uh, imagery. And mental horror and stuff like that. It isn't like, oh my God, blood and guts uh, and stuff like yeah. that. And a little, that's a, little, a lot of the things way that the first people are concerned ends. about is like, is there blood and guts and is there sex? And in this case, I would say no to those and stuff like well, that. Well, mind
2: you, there
0: is that, you know, r- rough moment at the end of the first episode if you've seen it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Have you seen it?
1: I, I have seen it. I saw the first season. I enjoyed that. Now, the manga, it's interesting because then they change once they get past a pr- certain point and they, they're on the farm and then they move settings it almost is like the story it changes genres a few times in the manga and that's kind of interesting as it goes along and so they just had the second season and people are up in arms because they skipped an a whole entire arc and then they kind of rushed through i'd say 11 or 12 episodes just to finish it to get to the end of the manga and so it just kind of feels like this mess that they had this great first season And then the second season is just here. It is. Hope you understand it. (laughs) So if you want to watch uh, *Prize Neverland*, just watch the first season, and you'll have that nice horror aesthetic and stuff like that. It's like it's yeah. It's just that it has so so the second second season maybe
0: just very bright feel a bright feel to it, and then like like right away watching watching the opening theme song, I could tell it's going to take a very dark turn pretty quickly. Yeah. Just just the moodiness of the of the opening theme song it's just that's what I could sense, and you can you know you know the Annie song is a is a big art form because it sets the tone so well for it has to be able to set the tone so well for the show
2: mm-hmm.
0: right I mean, I'm just like and this is another discussion maybe another discussion for another time, and we can have the others sit in on this. tell me a time when a show's opening theme song so did not fit the show it was given to. Mm. Just cite the case. Because I'm not totally sure, because I can't think of one right now. But tell me the case where, an like, like you have to think of it. I mean, the producers have to put some thought into, cho- into the choice of that, I'm sure.
1: And some of it is like they're probably on the committee and it may be a division of uh, Sony or a music thing. That but is they find dedicated it. to anime songs and stuff like that, and they get an idea of what the show is about. So usually there is definitely, as you said, thought put into it. But there probably is one. But me and you would definitely have to think about it to think of a song. Like I mean, that yeah, that's always jarring for an ending or opening that doesn't feel like it fits.
0: It it fits the tone of the show. It's done. Like I mean, yeah, I get it. Don't I have trouble putting the theme song to Excel Saga into Promise Neverland? Hmm. But XL Saga's theme song so fit it, if you remember that back in the day.
1: Yeah, no, it definitely fit. Sometimes it's just that you have that iconic song and then they can't use it anymore because of licensing rights. Like I think of um, Speed Grapher and stuff like that, and they only got the license to use uh, The Girls on Film by Duran Duran for the TV broadcast. So on all the physical releases after that and streaming for Funimation, it's just an instrumental for mm-hmm. the opening and stuff like that. And then if you had watched, unfortunately back then you had to watch it through those illegal means. Right. So right. That's well, how we I knew mean, they had that song and then recently. it's like, you can't get it on your head because Duran Duran girls on film, it just works so well with that opening and with that premise of the guy being investigative journalist with uh, his camera and stuff like that.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, more recently, I mean, uh, you see the more recently, remember kodocha well we're talking older titles but kodocha they announced that uh seven o'clock news would return in the in the upcoming Disco and that was release. such a
1: part as we said then. of that show so it's, it was we i guess we kind of got used to it, but it was still something that took you on to the show because you remember what was there right
0: and it's and it fit mm-hmm. Even before when it was before when it was there you realize it fit you people I, I think the fans realized the fit when it wasn't there, and I think we can also conversely say the same thing about something like "Fly Me to the Moon with Eva. It's not there anymore officially. Now people realize how much it fit the show. I, I get it it was a previously yeah, I get that but but even the even the even the spooky music that uh that goes in the credits now. It fits. So, so as I said, you you, you sort of get a sense of what uh, of a show pretty quickly through its theme song. Of course, you don't get the plot, but you just get a sense of its tone pretty quickly. But I, I, but I, I digress. And uh, maybe we'd have to give it more thought, and maybe we can come up with that next week when we return with a regular episode and put that and uh, lay that question on the other three. Right. Anyway. Well, that's it. That's, that's that. Those are the stuff that uh, I want to at least uh, talk about on this Easter Saturday. You have anything on your mind or maybe we'll just get back to our regular, to whatever our semblance of life is right now.
1: Well, I thought we were supposed to be uh, good little boys and wait for the Easter Bunny to come hopping on by and give us our Easter candies or hide them. Yeah,
2: but
0: I think yeah, they're not allowed to, you know, social distancing, right? <laughs>
1: uh anyway. I, th- I still see some decorations out, and I'm sure people got uh, their goodies. It's a pre- well, at least uh, a- people will be able to enjoy uh, what they can, right? It's
2: a
0: little depressing because, yeah, we we we're now in this pandemic for. More than a year now. And now that you bring up, like, Easter, one of the first oh uh, moments where I realized, oh, wow, this is going to be tough, happened Easter Saturday last year, when I went to Costco and saw how the lineup snaked probably as long as I could ever recall a Costco lineup going or any lineup. It was the longest lineup I was, I could ever recall being in. As far as I remember, I was standing in that for the better part of a couple hours easily, more than an hour, maybe two. That was quite the lineup to have dealt with. So, like, yeah, you, you, you made me think of it that way. You know? And, and the sad part is, there's still quite a bit to go. Here we are thinking there was a light at the end of the tunnel. Oh Well, I guess it's there. Just further along than I thought.
1: Oh, well. When you
0: get near, when you get near a vaccine.
1: whenever whenever they allow us to mike whenever they allow us to it's like yeah i know know i've talked to many people in other places around the world and they said oh we've got the vaccine and blah 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 and they are like why are you why haven't you and i said well just in a bad part of the world i said you live where you live and we just gotta hope for the best and stuff like that and when we can finally get the supply and stuff like that and we can get the job in the arm it's like that's the best we can do but until then we got to follow the precautions and uh, be as best we can you know what I mean Mm -hmm. but uh, even with that first needle uh, we still got to wait for the second needle so it's not all guaranteed and stuff like that and even once we finally do get over the hump and stuff like that this is probably going to be like the flu that maybe we'll need uh, a vaccine for the flu and maybe a vaccine for COVID and stuff like that and you also hope that maybe we'll learn a lesson next time for the next virus and stuff like that, because I'm sure many people said the same uh, the last century when we had the Spanish flu, right? Yeah, well, none of so them are here to
0: tell us. To almost none of them are here to wag their finger at us. That's the sad part,
1: um, right? Anybody who
0: was around from then,
1: they were they were
0: probably newborns.
1: Because it almost makes you think, it's like, oh, we'll get through uh, this century, and then next century, God knows what's going to hit them, right? It's like, you hope uh, someone learns something at some point, right? That we're not going through the same cycle again and again and again.
0: Well, inevitably, and this is just science, uh, we go through it in some form. And, well, we probably won't be around when the next time happens. At least, uh, I'm thinking we won't be, but uh,
1: hey. And people won't be traveling uh, like they used to, of course. So we'll we'll see how that all pans out and stuff like that, because I'm sure there will be a reckoning for all the airlines and things like that. And as we said, we've talked about conventions and stuff like that. And it'll be interesting to see what happens when they come back in physical form, because maybe oh, not all guests we're... will be able to come buy airplane and stuff like that maybe some of them will come uh, digitally and stuff like that oh i'm sure not everything is gonna go as we think when it comes back to physical events and stuff like that
0: Well, even 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 in normal times nothing ever goes the way you plan and i know we'll be talking conventions in some form in the very near future
2: Mm -hmm. but that's uh,
0: not tonight i think we'll just go off and enjoy our easter so uh that's it for the two of us on this uh, uh, almost fairly off topic Space Heater Chat episode of the Anime
1: Roundtable. So, where can they find us, Mike?
0: Yeah, if you have any questions or comments or want to remind us how just how off topic we have been, you can email us at animeroundtable at gmail.com or you can contact us through Twitter and Instagram at animeroundtable. And then, hey, there's always the archive com. You'll see uh, links for show notes and past episodes through that. As I said, we should uh, make this a habit, at least uh, as the pandemic as the pandemic series moves forward and trudges forward to its There'll be a conclusion, I guess, to the pandemic series, but just don't know when, just like the uh, just like the vaccines.
1: Uh, we'll see how it goes, and maybe another space eater. You might have someone else, like maybe we'll bring someone back from the past, as you've always said, like maybe Adam or someone else or Dean. Or whatever. Uh, Adam, I'm not.
0: Hold- Adam, I won't hold my breath. Neil, maybe.
1: Neil, yeah, of course. Adam just
0: has I know has other stuff to to deal with.
1: No, no, of course.
0: Anyway, that's it. That's all we got for this uh, recording for this space eater. Thanks for listening, and. We'll see you next week when we uh, return for episode 39.